This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Welcome, everybody, and welcome, Ryan McQuaid, Executive Editor of Awards Watch. Thanks so much for hopping on to this Oscar recap right after, basically. Um, I'm exhausted and excited. Everything everywhere, all at once. <laughs> how are you? How was the I, night? I mean, I'm tired, but I mean, that's that's just how it goes. And so I apologize again to your listeners for no sounding like I'm... I'm barely out of the grave you know what I mean so we're crawling out but let's start with everything every all we'll get into a bunch of other stuff from the um, Oscars from the ceremony but this was a historic night tell me your thoughts on the on this movie's journey and um, how you feel about it I mean it's 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 very uh, it's undescribable I mean, it's it's like watching a classic being made in 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 the making. You know, um, I was there one year ago, and the premiere at South by Southwest, and I saw the almost rock concert that was everything everywhere all at once. And you know, I thought in the moment that it was just because of the fact that it was the first time South by had had a, a premiere, a, a regular screening uh, in the, since the pandemic. And, and, it, and what a great way to, to bring back a festival that is very near and dear to my heart. Cause it's literally, you know, 60 minutes up the road. Next me. door. <laughs> but, you know, you just you just kind of felt something was very special that night and then but you didn't want to get your hopes up because i think as someone who is a, a, a you know latino and a, a minority of person of color you know you, you you kind of worry that movies like this will get ignored um, we see it dozens and dozens of times from the academy and we saw it even this year you know with movies like till and the woman king and uh you know you see movies like last year like you know in the heights and and, and various others where uh, they just continue to go for safer more familiar um more white leaning films and then you start thinking about oh well it's going to be the most wins since Slumdog Millionaire yeah. <laughs> and the most in the expanded era and win the most above the line categories in Oscars history. And first and, Asian leading actress yeah, in 95 and, and, years. And the, only the second woman of color, only the second Asian actor to win best supporting actor. And to go all the way back to 1984 when Ki Kwan was in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So you're you're literally having to go all the way back to the beginning of his origins in order to trace back when the last time um, an Asian man won Best Supporting Actor. You'd have to also be, it would be the first, you know, Asian, 
man to to win every to win the best director to you know to, to the first Chinese uh, the, uh, descent to win sport. What I'm saying is it would take mountains of of of, of change and and historical ramifications in order for this movie to do it, and it did. Mm-hmm. And by doing that. It's it's it warms your heart, even if it's not your favorite film of the year. Those examples you mentioned, we even saw them because Halle Berry, she gave Michelle Yeoh the award as she was the first in Best Actress. And so you had that embrace, which is incredible. And then you had Kiwi Kwan embracing Harrison Ford, who gave them the best <laughs> picture. So you literally had it at this Oscar ceremony, which made it even more emotional that it was sort of literally there. I mean, that was so dangerous of the Academy to do that with uh, even attempting to have Halle Berry up on that stage. It could um, have been a Chadwick Boseman, Anthony Hopkins moment. I mean, it was a very tight race for, for best actress. And, um, and you and I both know how much um, Kate Blanchett's performance is an extraordinary performance oh, God, yeah. in, in, in tar, but it, but what we were all feeling at least you know, shout out to Eric Anderson, our friend and and, and my uh, editor in chief at at Awards Watch, and we talked about this: is that if everything, everywhere, all at once, did exactly what it did to you know this past Oscar night, um, and Michelle Yeoh did win, it would feel it would feel a bit incomplete. And then, of course, when the the rumors were coming out that um, Halle Berry was going to be one of the presenters we went please don't have her be presenting best actress and then she didn't you go oh well shit you know (laughs) like you just you just kind of hang on for dear life and and pray that it works out and it did and sometimes they do work out like you know like i thought back uh, on the night of like uh antonio banderas and and um and penelope cruz giving it to pedro amadovar or um you know, Spiel, uh, Spielberg and Coppola and George Lucas giving it to, to Martin Scorsese. Like, Sophia these, Lauren and Benini. Yes. Yeah, so it, 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 you're talking about these moments that, that if they work out, they're great. Yeah. If, if, they, if they don't, it's an absolute egg in the face. And so I'm just so glad that it did work out. And there was that embrace that everyone sort of, you know, showing uh, on the internet. But I mean, it's also, it was historic. Yeah. And she, Michelle Yeoh being looked incredible uh, from the, and she, she had a dress that was saying, I'm coming to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and right from the red carpet, I was like, oh, she's, she's not playing around tonight. Um, and, and yet I, I just thought that her speech was impactful. I thought Key's speech was very emotional. Oh, yeah. And then, I mean, Jamie Lee's speech. I mean, wow. I, I I don't think that this time last year when I was at the film, I that it was going to win all these Oscars, let alone Jamie Lee Curtis for Best Supporting Actress was not on my bingo cart. Mm-hmm. Um, not on most of us, but, you know, I think that the reason why we saw a four for four with SAG and, and that momentum carry over um, isn't because like, oh, they don't trust BAFTA or BAFTA's a bad stat outlier or anything because none of the BAFTA 
actor winners carried over, but a ton of like the text did, including, you know, for All Quiet on the Western Front and, and a bunch of other things. It's because I think for the, for the, and this is not to sound disingenuous to everything everywhere all at once, but voters are very lazy. And so they see the last thing that is in their mind. It's sort of, you know, it's, it's like the last um, image of, of, or the last award show before the vote. And that was SAG. Mm -hmm. That mattered. And you see the unanimous sort of guild sweep, but you see the overwhelming, like, room response. You see um, the sweep over at SAG and it gives them permission to go ahead much like in the past years like when BAFTA was the last thing and you saw the more Francis McDormand and Anthony Hopkins and they're like well that gives us permission to go ahead and vote for him right it's like the last thing I see before I put in my ballot and that's why I think that it walked away with the first time in Oscars history that a best picture winner had three acting wins. It's, it's, it's what I told Stephanie Hsu when I met her and I interviewed her back at Middleburg. This is a phenomenon and it is an important film because I think it's going to be one that in 10 to 15 years is when you hear first time directors, when you hear new voices, go to Sundance or go to South by or to various places and we see them and we hear about, you know, maybe they do an interview with letterbox or maybe they, you know, you, you and I interview them and we ask them what were the inspirations behind their debuts and stuff or getting into film. They're going to reference this movie. It's a very, it's a, it's a gateway drug to cinema um, because it leans heavily on its influences as much as it is trying to reinvent and, 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 and be an emotional story about immigrants and, and the mother daughter story and, and, and everything. So you, you can't get mad at it. You can't get mad no, at even a win if like it's this. not your favorite movie, which I know, you know, it's not everyone's, um, but you really, as you say, you can't get mad at it. And what you're saying right now, also, the Daniels are, are so good at catching that as well in their speeches. They talk so much about take this as inspiration and they talk about their teachers and who taught them storytelling and and they're really good at seeing that big picture of being um young talented and um underrepresented today and just to keep going and on the other side what do you make of of the academy awards historically awarding a sci-fi film a24 taking what is it five of the top awards all four actors as well as best picture and and what do you, is this a big change you see well a24 took they 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 took everything but adapted screenplay above the line which is the first time in a studio's history that they've ever done that because you know not just winning six awards above the line for um, everything everywhere all at once, but also winning Brendan Fraser for the whale. And so, uh, and it wasn't eligible for anything um, because the whale was not nominated for uh, adapted screenplay. So um, I guess Sarah Polly is very lucky mm -hmm. um, because the studio seemed to have um, the goods. Um, it's a real, it's a real testament to a 24 
who is before Neon, before movie, before uh, uh, Janus Films, all, all these different places that have been popping up over the last couple of years in the awards race. It was good old little A24 and in Moonlight being the prime example of sort of the, the new modern era winners. And for the 10 plus years, A24 has been nothing but the model example of a studio of of putting their money to where their mouth is and 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 giving some great directors the the chance to create whatever projects they are and, and live in it. I mean you're talking about Greta Gerwig, you're talking about Barry Jenkins, you're talking about um you're 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 talking about Ari Aster, you're you know you're talking about um you know Robert Eggers and now you're talking about the Daniels, you know, their last two films. Uh, with Swiss Army Man and now this, so they clearly have found a a, a you know the the right um, formula to to find extraordinary talent and work with some pretty extraordinary people. And you know, last year they had movies like Come On, Come On, and and various others. It just didn't connect that, um, or in the Green Knight, it just didn't did or these extraordinary films that. They missed just getting one Oscar nomination, let alone any wins. Mm -hmm. And and people were kind of wondering about the future of it uh, in the awards race. And if it, you know, because it lost people from those moonlight years and to, to Netflix and various other places, if it, if, if it still had the goods and the, the resources enough to win. And I don't think it needed to have all the money in the world or it needed to have all the, um, the pushing and the pulling and everything uh, that it needed to beat La La Land. I think it just needed a film that was passionate mm -hmm. and people had passion for it and people were able to carry a movie from the premiere at its festival to literally the next year at its festival. Mm -hmm. And we've only seen that now the last two years we've never this is this is very new territory you know you and i and others we've talked about well why doesn't films from the first half of the year ever win well we've had it the last two years with yeah, coda, coda. And, and now everything everywhere all at once and so it will be very interesting to see going forward does does that you know how that affects the fall film festivals how studios approach everything um, and also to how the how momentum really picks up and and so yeah I think I mean I, I salute a24 um, for for sticking by their films and doing some things that are a little unconventional uh, if you know uh, behind the scenes and, and doing things that probably aren't as you know popular at, at sites as, as we want them to um, but it paid off for them mm -hmm. and and they and they they have, they have all the gloats and all the rights to do exactly and say exactly whatever they want because they are they are riding high, and it's now of the independent studios it it sits the top with two for its studio and it's and what a two films it is Moonlight yeah. and everything everywhere all at once probably two of the most um, inclusive and and, um, and and deeply representative films of, of, for people of color that we've had in Academy's history. And that have broken through to in, into this very 
previously at least traditional organization that was the Academy Award. (laughs) Um, Were you shocked that like Elvis, Banshees, Tar, Fablements completely shut out? I think, I, yeah, I was. I was absolutely shocked. But this is what happens when you have seven wins on the night for everything, everywhere, all ones. And then you have four from, I think, another movie that we could talk about yes. as being an absolute momentum um, surprise of this season. And something for another studio that they're going to learn from, I think, going forward and that's netflix is all quiet on the western front um upsetting in production design um winning winning original score um you know winning cinematography even without a director nomination and then of course winning international feature and production design which they had nothing before they had nothing precursors at all no and you know going into the night we thought that or at least I did, and, and and others have predicted it as well, that Elvis would win at least production designer oh, or costumes. And it lost both of those in upsets, essentially, in for production design with All Quiet on the Western Front and Ruthie Carter winning um, costume designs for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which um, was a major upset, but also another historical moment is she is now the... The yes. first black woman in Academy history to have two Oscars. So it, it can be done. You know what I mean? It can, if you nominate women of color, uh, they get a good chance as anybody else to win, even if it's kind of a little bit stacked against them. And, and Catherine Martin, this this great giant in, in the industry and also a, a previous Oscar winner in her own right, Um is up against her for this extraordinary work in Elvis. And I think that that was the film because going into the night Fablements, I expected it to sadly miss out. I think when Jamie Lee Curtis be carried Condon, it was very clear that Banshees was going home empty handed and how, and you know how I've talked to you several times on the show about Banshees on the ballot, uh, that this was going to be something that a lot of people had high up. Yeah, I think that I think that it was. I think it was a I still think I think it was like a top three or four contender still. And I just think that the unfortunate thing is is that it had to compete in categories with everything everywhere all at once. Um but um you know tar all of its eggs were really essentially in Kate's basket. Um because uh you know it just I it, it got those nominations and I thought ooh sixes a lot for that movie um and uh, but it didn't obviously get her over the top but elvis is the most shocking thing on the night because mm. of the fact that it had done so well even at bafta and, and other places with the guilds and then you of course you look at austin butler winning bafta um you know and that in order for what brendan fraser had to do he had to do something that we had only seen once in the preferential ballot era expanded era and that is when Best Actor without uh, a Best Picture nomination. And that goes all the way back to 2009 with Jeff Bridges for Crazy Heart. And I think you can kind of understand why Jeff Bridges won that because it was a career win. But this, that win for Brendan Fraser, it is essentially a career win. It's a comeback story. Mm-hmm. It's a narrative. And and it was enough. And, and 
the thing about Jeff Bridges was he was a sweeper. He won every award. So in this case, that wasn't there. That's right. There was a little bit of trepidation because Colin had won at least uh, the Golden Globe. Brendan didn't win the Golden Globe because it went to Austin Butler. SAG went to to Frazier. Rick Choice went to Frazier. And then BAFTA went to Austin Butler. So there was a little bit of like, well, who do you pick? But I think ultimately it was that last um, speech by Brendan Frazier uh, that put it over the top. And, uh, and really just was like reaffirming what we saw on the campaign trail all year. It's just like, if you get him in front of people and you give him a speech, he kind of melts everyone's heart in the room. Mm-hmm. And then therefore, and he's just like every, the everything everywhere all at once crew. Uh, it's kind of uh, irresistible to not want to award him uh, the gold, essentially. And it's lovely to see Steven Spielberg. He was just so happy for everyone. Every single win. There, he just loves a good movie. <laughs> you you mentioned earlier Harrison Ford giving Best Picture. It was supposed to be with Glenn Close, but she uh, uh, contracted or she got COVID essentially and, and she had to bow out. But um, Harrison Ford goes up there, presents Best Picture, and Key Kwan goes up there and they hug each other and the camera cut to Spielberg. And his face was like, it was like it was, you know, 40 years ago, you know what I mean, essentially. And so it was, it was, it and was And this is wild. the man who's made his most personal movie, who I'm sure is feeling that, look, there's this whole new gang of incredible artists and he could be feeling completely the opposite, but you just feel that it's his love for this art that, you know, he's, he's just happy for that it's continuing on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's like Jimmy, it's like Jimmy, it's like Jimmy Kimmel said, um, you know, uh, that Spielberg's now a, the first, I believe, the first director to be nominated in six different decades. And, I mean, that is a an amazing statistical uh, stat to have. And he is a master and people love him. Um, they didn't particularly respond to this film because, it, it, I mean, we're talking about the first time in the expanded film having, uh, or expanded era, having a film that's a juggernaut. And uh, it didn't matter any other narrative other than, than the one right, that right. this film was presenting, you know, but, and any Steven Spielberg, he'll be okay. He'll be okay. <laughs> he'll be okay. <laughs> he'll be okay. And very happy for Sarah Pauly. I, oh, she had a great speech and, and I just have to nitpick a little bit with Edward Berger and the director of All Quiet. Uh, I was a bit disappointed that he didn't thank his co-writers, Leslie Patterson and Ian Stoke, who for 15 years before they came on board had shepherded this option. Um, you know, I talked to her and I thought that was not very generous. It's a daunting, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a daunting task to, in 45 seconds, Thank everybody, especially when you don't have a piece of paper. I mean, I noticed that Michelle Yeoh, I believe in her speech, did not mention her her partner, her husband, um, but mentioned her stepkids. <laughs> um, so it's in. Well, in, that might have made him happy. Yeah, yeah, that might that'll make him that'll make the stepkids be like, hey, look, look, Dad, she mentioned me, not you. Uh, but um, but it's it you know, it's it, it. I will say it is very difficult. Um, to you know just put the put the clock put the timer um, put a timer strain on anybody but you know knowing edward berger and speaking to him uh this season he is a very nice man uh i wish i wish yes he he did call them out and mention it but you know uh also to go up there when he did win international feature and 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 highlight 
Felix Kammerer, who, yes. you know, is this unknown talent whose first performance is this was literally front and stage, yeah, you, know, of, you know, of, 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 of this camera the entire time. And in the face of this movie and, and why it gets a makeup nomination is because of those mud dripped faces of, you know, that we, that we are like, it's like burn in our memory. So, um, so yeah, but I mean, you know, I, I, I think that it was, um, you know, all quiet's wins were, were, were pretty, um, were pretty great and, and and it felt like you're right we were in a moment where like a, a part of the show for an hour at least was like all quiet on the western front all quiet on the western front and you're like oh crap i hope like, this doesn't mean that sarah Pauly's going to lose um and and she didn't and she gave a wonderful speech and it is it's nice to see that the 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 telluride medallion winner the, over the last three years uh walked away with something it didn't necessarily be best director um, which Jimmy Kimmel uh, called out, thank God, when it when he did with uh, with that James Cameron nod to the fact that James Cameron must have felt like he was a woman essentially, you know, not getting uh, nominated by the by the uh, Academy, uh, and it played really well in the room uh, that joke because of the fact that you know it was an all male category. Okay. I mean, it wasn't just five males this year; it was six, um, <laughs> and so. Um, but uh, but no, she uh, she goes alongside Jane Campion and Chloe Zhao over the last three years of a female director winning the medallion at at, at Telluride and going on to to win an Oscar. And and what's great about her win, uh, besides it being the screenplay of the year, in my opinion, yes, um, is that you know for the longest time, from two thousand seven to uh, twenty twenty. We had no female direct, uh, female writers, particularly even uh, female writer directors, win any of the screenplay categories. The last three years in a row, we've had um, Emerald Fennell, Sean Heater, and now uh, Sarah Pauly win Oscars. So um, it is nice to see that in this new decade, um, you know, we can have uh, some female writer and directors win this category. And I think that of the three, this is the strongest. Yeah, and 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 the boldest, and to 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 see Sarah uh, Academy Award winner now Sarah Pauly is a pretty pretty special thing. And yes, her calling out um, at Indie Spirits, and now here the, the the you know not being afraid to uh, award a movie called Women Talking, mm-hmm. um, not women are talking, are talking. women <laughs> talking, you know is is a is a great thing. And I I it just reminded me though also too of like. You you gave it this award, but it really should have had a lot more nominations than it did, and because uh, it's a it's a great film. In a world infatuated with comic fandom, comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut! Oh, come uh, on, it wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. I want to get into the award show itself. I, oh, I just want to mention in, in another emotional, I thought the Navalny speech was incredible, wow. too. His wife. Yeah, no. Great <clears throat> moment. <clears throat> yeah, that was a great moment. And I think one of my favorite moments of the night was one of the opening moments of the night. And that is Guillermo del Toro, 
winning uh, for Pinocchio, dedicating it to his parents. Oh, it's getting me emotional just thinking about it. Um, but uh, the fact that I know how much of a, of a labor of love it was for Guillermo um, to to make that film because it was it was essentially him making a film for his father. And and then knowing that his mom passed away the day before the film's premiere at the, the London Film Festival. And uh, and it, it was truly just one of those moments because Guillermo del Toro is, it, as you know, is, is truly just a, a, a big, massive, you know, lover of cinema and, and and it's just a you just and it's just a warm man i getting to meet him multiple times over this over this festival uh season and, and award season and everything um he is he is a, an absolute rock star and a genius and he is now the first director to ever win both the best picture and a best animated feature film uh winner and uh, he's now won his third oscar across three categories uh, which is a very rare feat as as well. Uh, it's uh, so um, he he joins his his three amigos, uh, friends and winning. Uh, they've won over three categories as well too. So um, in their career, so he he gets to add that to it, and also he gets to to continue to beat the drum that animation is cinema, and uh, and, uh, and get this wonderful wonderful win. Um, for for his family but also too i agree with you i mean navalny's speech was it was in in you know after the academy said you know no to president uh Zelensky, um and that was news that was making its way throughout the week um this speech i think did enough and highlighted enough still the the atrocities going on uh, by the russian government and particularly by vladimir putin and um in a, a wife's plea with her with her children right there to see her husband come home uh was pretty impactful there was so many of that both sort of in the that important political realm but as you were saying with guillermo and his family then you have the call out to all the moms and parents and people teachers and and there was so many personal speeches i don't think i've seen an oscar in many years no. where that was just a running theme that felt very very personal almost all the way through yeah no and and yeah and, and if i can just add to that i mean i think that that's what makes this oscar very special because you're talking about still a lot of filmmakers i mean this is the daniel second film for christ's sake you know i mean like we're talking about uh, a lot of filmmakers here too that these are their big moments and so yes I, I i understand top gun maverick didn't win best picture uh or you know uh, uh or avatar um but what the, what they did do is 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 yes i it's what i said on our awards watch podcast uh, wrap-up show that's releasing sometime today um is that those films brought people back to the cinema but what everything everywhere all at once did was 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 give them a purpose to love cinema if that makes sense it, it stole their hearts not their money it didn't it, it didn't they didn't need the popcorn dollars um they needed the investment in the heart and the soul of an audience member uh and that's why they kept coming back to it because of the originality and 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 also audience of color being able to see their immigrant story or their or their mother daughter story or their um their 
marriage story, no pun intended, um, for that film or anything, but just to see just to see themselves on the screen. It's the power of 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 being a minority and never getting to see yourself. And then you finally see yourself through these characters. And it and it, it moves people. And then you see the people that are making it and it it's a guy that's got like you know, weird glasses and 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 uh, and they're carrying hot dog fingers with them all around everywhere, and 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 then it's you know Guillermo del Toro who you know, and it's Edward Berger who nobody knows, and it's it's all these kind of fans and lovers of cinema winning, and so who do they think? But they think their families and they think their teachers and they take everybody they can mm-hmm. because that's exactly what the Oscars are supposed to be. It's about these, it's about these Hollywood stories. It's like he Kwan said. It's an American dream to really win something like this. And, you know, over the last couple of years, we've had a lot of films and a lot of people win Oscars that have or or have been nominated many times before to have 16 of the 20 um, be first time nominees in the acting categories. All four of these winners be first time nominees. First time that's happened since 2005 is an extraordinary thing because now it opens up doors to be like, it can be your first and it doesn't have to be also a wait and see process as well. You can win on your first. And if, if you've got the, the right story and the right performance. Let's end up here and talk a little bit about the show itself, the highlights, the bad stuff, the good <laughs> stuff, the gossip. Um, <laughs> what did you make of Jimmy Kimmel? Did he work for you? Honestly, I thought that okay. So your your listeners get to get this story. Um, so I had a weird dream uh, about two weeks ago that Jimmy Kimmel actually did a good job at the Oscars this year, and <laughs> and I told a bunch of uh, our writers, and they thought I was nuts. And and then uh, the, the the weird part about the dream was is that uh, Best Actress was presented first, and then I didn't find out who won. Um, so it was like it was almost like it, it was a good dream that then turned into a nightmare. Um, for somebody that covers the race and predicts, it's like, oh well, then why didn't I have enough of a premonition to to figure out who won this very important race? But I did to find out that Jimmy Kimmel did a good job, and surprisingly enough, <laughs> he did do a very good job. Um, I think that after last year with the three hosts and trying something new, and obviously, of course, the, the debacle with with the uh, with the uh, Mr. Smith, um, that I think the Academy needed to go back to a familiar, steady hand. And I think that's exactly what you need for this for this kind of of show going forward is very reliable, steady hands. Kimmel is a it literally works across the street from the Dolby Theater. And so it's it's a very easy gig for him to do. He did a good job at not doing the, the things that I hate that he does which is always mentioned that nobody saw these films or that film um he did it one time and it was about babylon which is totally justifiable because that movie lost so much money and is such a fever dream uh and divided enough and divisive enough that you can you can get away with a joke like that uh it's not like he picked on tar or to leslie or something really small you know what i mean triangle of sadness like he has in the past. And so I thought he was great. I thought that um, he addressed the the controversy of last year 
uh, pretty easily. And, and yeah, not... the slap jokes were funny, and then they just sort of left that and moved and on. And then they just they, they didn't keep going back to the well. He did one gag in the with the audience, and that's it because it was and it was used purposely because they needed to set up the stage for Rihanna's performance. So it's not like he just did some random bit and then they went into presenting another award. They did it to, to stall for time. And so I thought that between his jokes, in between the winners and him coming out and doing his monologue, I thought he was very, very good. Um, and it was probably the best he has been so far in his three, um, his three shots at the Oscars. And he's learned a lot from those two in that I don't need to do bits. I don't need to do all these other things. I can just make my jokes and move the show along for what was it like three and a half hours. And it moved pretty well for the most part all night. Um, why do you think Cruz and Big Jim didn't show up at the end? Fragile egos are really something to behold in a, in, a, <laughs> in Hollywood. Um, Cruz will say that it's a Mission Impossible thing and they're trying to recut the film right now or maybe do reshoots because they're still making... Because you have to remember that, yes, we're getting Dead Reckoning Part 1 this year, but we're getting Dead Reckoning Part 2 next year. So he's, he's, he's probably also filming that still. Um, but also, too, I think um, to not be maybe a distraction or to not to take away from maybe other things on the night. Uh, big Big... Big Jim, that that seems like a I didn't get nominated for best picture sort of thing, and, and so or best director, and, and yeah, that might have been the case. Might have just been the fact that he didn't want to go, which is totally fair. Um, uh, it's in a room where he's not gonna, and, you know, where he could be making more avatars. These are two people that need to be making the movies that they're promising <laughs> us uh, technically. So I don't blame them, but at the same, you and, want you know, them working. <laughs> I, I, I we need them making more movies the that they're going to save. <laughs> You know, yeah, they don't need to go and sit there when they clearly know they're not going to win anything. Um, it's it's kind of you know what I would do to be honest. If, if like if I've already won Oscars or have saved cinema, you know what I mean? Uh, it's it's in you know quote unquote. Um, why would I need to go to an award show when I I, I need to go to work the next day and and not um, deal with uh, the the weirdly cold weather that was happening in los angeles during the oscars this weekend um but uh no i think that also kimmel had fair game to make fun of them and uh and did a great job doing so um but in terms of not having crews then we had a late late second addition to the telecast and that was lady gaga um and uh so it's like okay we didn't get crews but we got gaga that's fine okay we we we, we technically we win when it comes to that so yeah no that that was that was a good swap um any really awkward moments or something you thought didn't work at all okay so i think this is the best time to talk about the song performances (laughs) um and (laughs) um okay so um for the love of god whoever was directing this um and i'm sure it was a veteran director um who's who's done it many times before um a close-up is not always your best friend. And I felt that even in the speeches for a lot of the the winners, they were very close up. Reminded me a lot of a problem that I thought of last year too, when they had very tight, centered, focused camera work on these winners. Like go to Michelle Yeoh's win and it's a great win, but like it's very distracting that the camera's just not sitting. 
and it's zooming in like quickly on her and it's like stop um and so i thought of the way that the camera was used um for this is a life which was a listen i know i know that um my writers and eric uh want to um I wouldn't say belittle, but but to uh, begrudge that performance a little bit for it sounding like David Byrne was a little out of tune or or whatever. Uh, David Byrne's a legend, and I'm not going to uh, ever say anything bad about him. And if you do, you there's a there's a good place in hell for you. Um, you know, in my opinion, uh, the man's a genius. Um, and uh, so if he wants to sing out of tune, in tune, auto tune, I don't care. Um, and because I got David Byrne to come out to an Oscars and actually like be around people, which is not his thing. And, um, and I thought applause, the Diane Warren song, uh, give it no applause. I thought it was bad. Um, this is a bad song in general, but to then like, like see it be performed is it's, it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to see it. And boy, howdy, was it bad. <laughs> and then um, not to, not to, I, I like the performance, but it it didn't really capture the spirit. And it really also shows that the speed up of the camera that SS Rajamuli used in the film really works a yeah. lot better than, and then it does in real life. Cause it takes sort of, I think that element and then also wasted opportunity to not have the camera facing or getting reactions from the crowd, really bad moment there. Um, and then the two performances from the giant pop stars on the night, Rihanna's performance, uh, very much a tribute, obviously, to Chadwick Boseman and being very somber, um, but very short, very quick. That song is just very short, very quick, um, and and sweet to the point. But I think the best performance of the night for me was Lady Gaga's. Even though it was like thirty minutes, it's it sounded like you know they thirty minutes or less. It was like a pizza delivery kind of a performance, and it was very stripped down and, and and everything. And that had a weird cut, too, from whatever win that was before to then cutting straight to her, not having anybody intro her. But then it became this uh, eulogy for a friend, and it became um, different than, like, the rock anthem that it was out of the theater. It became this 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 uh, somber sort of meditation of, of loss, uh, and recontextualizing that, I thought it was beautiful, and I, I you know, I uh, love seeing her basically like in her like regular like street attire clothes. It seemed like you know that she and I can't help it. I love how every single thing she does, she starts by saying, "This is the most important thing I have ever done." Be it in the Gucci movie or the, the you she's know, the it, most it, dramatic person ever, and I love her. This. Thing I'm going to sing for you at this very moment right now is the most emotional, important thing I've ever done. And you have to love it because then she delivers that. She's it's she's like, not okay. She's not you lying. weren't lying. Yeah. No, she's not. Because you sit there and you go, okay, sure. Okay, like, yeah, 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 whatever. It's hold my hand. I've heard this dumb song. And um, and then you and then you're like, you're like crying because like freaking Lady Gaga turned it into like this emotional ballad. And you're like, yeah, and you're just like, what the hell's going on here? But no, it was, it was. I think that those were a collection of just weird moments. And but I think also some highlights for the for the Academy was the fact that like all twenty three categories, um, they used clip packages, which I thought was very very good, especially for like certain performances like 
like Carrie Condon, where I mean, like she's using the word feckin' every like five minutes and then, and, you know, in, or five seconds in that movie. So it was very hard to kind of put that together. Or even like Paul Mescal, um, who like tried to find a singular scene in After Sun where he can really, you know, use that as an Oscar clip. So to have sort of a montage was great. Uh, when they did best costumes to have the costumes in the background up on the stage, very smart. They used to do that all the time. And then they... all the time. And then they just stopped. Yeah. I mean, it, and it just blew my mind that they stopped doing that. And I loved the, the montage packages of leading into the crafts, like showing an editing or, or, or showing the sound of certain classic films and understanding uh, that an audience needs to see that um, like hundred year tributes for Disney and, and Warner brothers as they lead into their hundred years uh, this year, uh, hundred year anniversary this year, Disney being smart and advertising the little mermaid. I wish more studios would do this because then it, it, it also goes beyond just being a celebration, but an event and an anticipation Um supposedly in the room they did not see the trailer they saw something else and they were not happy about it it sounded like the audience really wanted to see this little mermaid trailer um and there was a bunch of groans that they didn't get it but um but audiences at home did um there were a couple other trailers i saw i saw an oppenheimer trailer during during the oscars as well too um uh, so um more of that in the future would be great because I think that that gets people's eyes uh, on it, especially the most anticipated films of the year and films that we could see at the telecast next year. Um, and, and, and so I thought that those were overall some really smart moves. And then, yeah, there's some, you know, there's some bad, maybe some bad jokes that are presented or whatnot that, but there weren't really too many of those. It was very, um, it was very seamless. Again, I was very, I think this, you know, after 2020 with them trying to do the Chadwick thing and then last year with the just slap debacle and having three hosts and it being a jumbled mess, it was nice to just go back to an Oscars that was uh, drama-free and just celebrated the films and there wasn't cynicism and it was just about, let's talk about these movies that made us cry and made us celebrate and go back to the theaters. And there was no honorary awards they did do the they did they uh they did do like a small like thing where they talked about the honoraries and they talked about the the craft or but no they didn't actually like do any um no montages no like uh special tributes like they did last year which honestly thank god they didn't do those because after last year where they had like the 28 year anniversary of of pulp fiction yeah, that's, that's not so weird <laughs> that's something you don't do even though it's great to see him up all on stage like it's not that's not an anniversary um you know to to, to do the godfather tribute sort of very half-ass to do the a bond tribute again very half-ass um and, and not even have like a james bond on the stage just god it's just fucking ridiculous um so like it, it was nice for them not to try to force something in there and, and do something like that and instead just focus on the movies just focus on what's there these movies made a ton of money and a lot of people have seen them just do that i don't know what the the viewership numbers are of the oscars i'm sure i'm sure they went up i'm sure they 
they had to have been a little bit maybe better than last year. Um, but also they'll still be one of the highest rated things and people will overanalyze them as, as well too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I thought it was a, was a good show. Did you, did, did you feel the it kind of flow? I um, did. I, I was really happy with the show and, and, and I thought it was very, as I said, what, what affected me most is how emotional it was. Um, the speeches, the, the, the winners. Um, yeah, no, I, it really makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ryan, I'm going to let you go. Um, I'm, well, it seems that we're both really happy with the evening. That's not always the case. I'm happy it's over. Um, <laughs> and, uh, just because, uh, for, and, and that's not a dig at everything everywhere all at once, um, or the ceremony or Kimmel or anything. Christina, as you know, it's a very long, long season. Mm-hmm. These things keep seeming to get longer and longer. And, uh, the way people react online, the people that we know, they, they, they get very animated and say a lot of dumb things uh let's just call it like it is and so it becomes a very very hard to cover this um all the way to the point to still be even if it's something that you do love uh like sarah Polly, when you're like great cool i'll assess it in like six months when i'm like able to like like kind of care because like <laughs> you know i'm you know it's weird to have the oscars during south by southwest because by this point i'm either i'm usually done with the year so, um, but I'm I'm happy that oh, the way it came out, I'm happy that it's over. I'm happy we can, these winners uh, have these wins. It's very historic, uh, but now we can all rest and we can all just, I think what's the best over. thing, the, well, in six months, <laughs> yes, I'd like to start. Well, it's not even going to be that because can's right around the corner, but I, I think that the thing I would like to do just more than ever is to just move on to a new slate of films and, and see what exciting new things that are coming here, um, you know, within conversations between you and me, between awards watch and all that stuff in between. So, um, so, so yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, I'm glad it's over. You know, we'll look yeah, forward to that. Thanks again, Ryan. We'll see what the next topic will be. It's going to be an exciting year coming up too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So excited to whatever it's going to be. Thank you. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do. So you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way.